Welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson. Welcome again to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. This is the last edition of 2021, and I wanted to highlight a video that MDOT's production team put together running down all of the projects and accomplishments in 2021. 2021 saw a record-breaking investment in infrastructure by the Michigan Department of Transportation. The Rebuilding Michigan Bond Plan injected an additional billion dollars in funding during the construction season, keeping MDOT and our partners busy. From Detroit to the southwest corner of the state, all the way up to Lake Superior, Michigan's most traveled highways and some important tourist routes received extra attention. It's really pretty amazing. When you think about the incredible work that MDOT is doing in the midst of the pandemic, utilizing the bonding proceeds from the work that we did last year, and this is the work that we're getting done. This increases quality of life, it increases uh, return on our investment, and this is, this is why addressing infrastructure right now in this way is so important. We'll talk more about that with the director of the department, Paul Ajiba, who is here to talk about some of the successes and one of the things he's looking forward to in 2022. So, director, thanks for taking time to do this. Thank you, Jeff. Good morning, and uh, thanks for having me. So, broadly, before we get into any specifics, you know, how would you kind of sum up 2021 for the department and and overcoming challenges and what you're proudest of? Oh, I I think this was a historic. Uh, year for for the department and the state as a whole. Uh, as you know, give us $3.5 billion in uh, January 2020 and ask us to get out there and, uh, and fix our roads and bridges. And I think in that, uh, true to our, our culture, we we, uh, we met that challenge and we, well, we, we're continuing to meet the challenge because, the, you know, the money is still coming in and the projects are getting out there and the, the the beauty of this is that the public is beginning to to feel the effect of all the work that's been put out there and that to me is is a testament to all the hard work uh, the, the the folks at MDAD put in to to make this uh, a success and the idea behind the governor's rebuilding michigan program the 3.5 billion dollars in bonds that fund a number of projects and also make possible to move forward some some other projects on other roads uh, was to put the money where people actually drive. And so we saw some some major work on some of the most busy traveled, uh, busily traveled roads in the state. Uh, M59 in <coughs> County, a major commercial corridor and commuter corridor. Ongoing work on I-275 in Wayne County, of course, um, something that's close to home for you because when you were region engineer in Jackson, you were thinking even then about how to improve that I-94 corridor and the interchange in 127. What do you think all of those mean going forward to, to the travelers? Well, first, I, I would say for, for us as uh, MDOT engineers, we've always been really uh, worried about the, the way the fixes we've been doing on our freeways, on our roadways, quite frankly, because we didn't have the resources. So we're doing a lot of bandage work. Uh, the I-275 project you mentioned is a classic example. That was just going to be a, a, a three-hour fix, meaning you know you just kind of you know take a few uh, layers off, you know, fix the, ba- uh, the, the you know uh, do some detail seven and eights, which means fixing some of the underlying issue and then put it back, and that would only buy you about ten years of uh, repair. 
But when the, the, the governor's money came in, we used uh, and took took advantage of that and put a break on that project and reimagined that project. So that project went from a $50 million job to a $275 million job. So in that regard, I think this is money well spent because we don't have to be in that corridor for uh, another 30 years. Uh, it cuts down on maintenance costs, uh, you know, people going out there trying to fix potholes and all that. So that, to me, is uh, the underlying success of this uh, $3.5 billion money that, that, that we're using because we are doing the right fixes that will give us a long-lasting payment. I think that's a really good point because when the governor um, talks about and, and others talk about fixing them right the first time, I think that some people take that as, as some kind of a shot at MDOT or at the contractors. And what they're saying is, you didn't have the money to do anything with, you know, with sound asset management principles, all the money you had and do those kinds of fixes. And with the right kind of investment, you can do something long term. Uh, exactly. And um, I, I think we've proven that given the opportunity that we, we, we can do this. My hope is that as we come out of this, you know, spending period, I think it's supposed to last 2024, that we can go to the public and the legislatures and show them the results, right? That, listen, this is what we can do if you fund our transportation infrastructure appropriately. This is what you, this is the results of what, you know, your money will will, uh, will do. And I'm, I'm truly looking forward to that time when we can really have that debate. You are ever the optimist. You you hope that you can say, look at our results, and now it's time to invest more. That's that's your fervent hope. I'm a results-oriented person, and I'm, I've got my fingers crossed on that. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about some of the other things. Uh, obviously, we're, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, you reached a, a very innovative agreement early on with the Contractors Association for how to move projects forward in 2020 and that continued in 2021. Do you feel like, uh, you know, the, the pandemic caused us uh, some slowdowns or, or delayed projects at all? Well, I think, again, when I, at the beginning of, of uh, our conversation, I said it was a historic year. And I truly mean that in the sense that uh, it wasn't just MDAD, it was MDAD, the contractors, the union, everybody, came together at the beginning of the pandemic and said, okay, well, you know, the initial thought was let's stop all work and then uh, we'll, we'll see how things go. But I think we were able to reach an agreement that says, okay, uh, contractor, we're not going to shut you down because there were, uh, you know, strong opinions on both sides. There's some that wanted to shut down, some that didn't. And I thought this was a great compromise that, okay, uh, we're not going to shut you down. However, if you choose to shut down because of safety reasons, we will not penalize you. And I think that, to me, was probably the, the untold story of this whole pandemic as far as how MDOT was able to move forward uh, last year and obviously this year. It helped us continue the momentum that the governor put out there with the money and say, go out there and, and get some work done. Obviously, when she gave us the money, we didn't know the pandemic was going to happen. She gave us the money in January, pandemic happened in March. But I think we've been able to navigate this thing um, in a proper way that we didn't put lives 
at risk and you know we still got the job done i'm glad you mentioned uh you know the, the labor unions too because the operating engineers have been uh you know working really hard they hosted the president back in the the, the late summer um mm -hmm. at their training facility and how uh, mm -hmm. to make the point that you know one of the things we're doing are these apprenticeships and this ongoing training to to develop the workforce that's that's a challenge for for everybody right now um, what do you think about that going forward with more investment plan in 2022? Well, I mean, I think they are a critical partnership in this in this endeavor, right? Um, as you beginning to spend state money and federal more money coming from federal, uh, to, there's a lot of emphasis and focus on, on fixing our roads and bridges and all our infrastructures for that matter. You're going to need labor to be part of the conversation because you can't get all this work done without labor being, being, being at the table. So I, I think, again, uh, the, the partnership between MDOT, MIDA, and, and the labor union, it's, uh, it, it's been a great partnership, and I hope we continue along that path for the good of the state. So talk a little bit about, you know, work zone safety we've had <laughs> with, with the ramped up work and with what we know are more people speeding. Um, we talked on the podcast last week with some Michigan State University experts about the trends across the country and the state. People started driving a lot faster during the pandemic and they continued doing that. Um, and that's at a time when we're trying to do more road work and we're putting more road workers out there. And mm -hmm. we've had some horrific crashes. And uh, you know, I know you take that very personally. And I, I know that the people in construction and work zone safety at MDOT do. Uh, what do you think about that going forward? Again, it, it all starts with good partnership, right? The, the partnership that we have with MITRE right now, where we came together and formed a safety task force headed on the MDOT side by Tony Crowderfield and on the MITRE side by Mike Malaw, I think that that's a good way to try to tackle this issue because it's not just an MDOT issue. It, it's mostly, quite frankly, the, the, the MITRE uh, members are just as concerned as we are because it's their workers out there. If you can't keep them safe out there, we're going to be losing more people in, in the industry, right? So that partnership, I think, is is really moving things forward, looking at innovative ways to keep drivers engaged in construction zones so that it's a safe zone. Uh, a lot of initiatives across the country that they're looking at that they're trying to bring to Michigan. And I think also with, with Michigan State Police being a, a, a partner in this, I, I, I'm very optimistic that we can get to a, a place where we can uh, present this to our legislators with the hope that we, we start uh, chipping away at some of the uh, reckless driving in our work zone and distracted driving and all that, that that's causing a lot of these crashes. So uh, yeah, I, I think that what we're doing is the right way to go. We've got lawmakers working on initiatives, uh, you know, bills that would require more more signage, maybe flashing signs as you enter work zones, um, where that's appropriate, where that can work. There's talk about automated enforcement in work zones, uh, a lot of things that, that we're looking at. So, yeah, I think I, I think we're all hopeful that we can see some innovations that can maybe cut down on some of those work zone crashes. Stick around. There's more to come right after this short message. No, before you go, head on over to MyDrive to check out the latest on road construction and possible delays along your route. For a detailed map, head over to michigan.gov drive.
A uh, couple other things from the past year um, that count as accomplishments. You were with the governor to make a major announcement at the Mackinac Policy Conference about EV charging and uh, MDOT maybe looking at some innovative things like uh, conductive charging. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, uh, absolutely. Again, this is part of some of the innovative things that the governor's driving MDAD and Eagle and Office of uh, Future Mobility and Electrification to look at creative ways to stay on the forefront of a lot of these technologies. We in Michigan, we have the luxury of having all the major OEMs here in the state. So we have to be in lockstep with them as best we can to make sure that as they put these uh, vehicles out there, we have the infrastructure to support that vehicle. So the charging, when we put out our RFP, and uh, we've got some, we had some good uh, responses. I believe we've we've picked a, a a team, but obviously has not been announced yet. But that this to me is another example of Michigan you know, taking that major step forward to say yes. We're going to be at the forefront of this issue, just like the CAV. Michigan was, uh, I mean, we were way ahead of a lot of states at the beginning of, uh, you know, connected autonomous vehicles. And I think that the same thing's going on now with electric vehicles. Yeah, very much. There's a, th those things dovetail very nicely. And this, this idea of, of checking the feasibility of actually charging your car while you move down the road, mm -hmm. um, it's, that's pretty incredible. And that would go a long ways toward you know people's biggest fear which is you know that anxiety range so yeah, range exactly range anxiety so we had some major flooding again in uh, the freeways in metro detroit some you know perhaps 500 year if not thousand year storms just major deluges scientists tell us we can expect more of that as the climate changes as the as the as the earth warms all we can do is try to mitigate it we can't control the weather obviously and everybody focuses on pump stations and and obviously we need all of our pumps to be working but we also need a place for the water to go <laughs> and i think a lot of times people miss that point that it doesn't matter just like your basement you could have the best sump pump in the world but if if the water just keeps coming back in it doesn't do any good i know what what's your feeling i guess high level about what we can do long term well, I, I, again, I, I'm not a scientist, but I think we, we can all agree that there's something happening in our in our environment, right? We had a hundred, I mean, a hundred-year flood and 500-year flood within a month or two of each other. Uh, our system is not designed to handle all that water at the same time. Yeah, we had the pump stations there that they had power failure, and that uh, you know con uh, complicated things more. However, I think the short term is to look at putting permanent generators at each of these pump stations. That, and we're working on that right now. We've put some money outside to start working on that. But I think long term, we have to look at changing our, our design standards. For instance, four inch outlet pipes are not big enough anymore for those kind of rain coming in at, at such a short period of time like that. You need bigger outlet pipes to, to pump those water out, right? Uh, we need to look at different ways of redesigning our drainage system where, you know, like what we're doing on I-75 in segment three, we put in a, a big tunnel under the freeway. I'm not saying putting tunnel under all our freeways is, is the best way to go. But long term, those are, are billions and billions of dollars. But in the short term, what can we do to make sure that you know we we are at least addressing some of the most basic issue of flooding 
And I think the, the, the generators are these pump stations and perhaps looking at changing our, our outlet pipes will be the, the most basic thing we can do right away. Yeah, backup power would go a long way. Can you remind people, uh, I guess just briefly, why the freeways in a place like Detroit and other big cities were built in a depressed manner in the first place? Well, again, I mean, historically, uh, it, it's more for space management then, right? That's that's a big part of it. And also, if you look at, I mean, it's not just Detroit, even in Flint, you had uh, 475, I-69, there's some freeways out there that are depressed. But what I, I believe over the years, the, the pump stations have been able to accommodate. I, I mean, it's like having a sump pump in your basement, as you said, and when it rains, the, 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 the sump pump comes on and it pumps the water out. And that that worked for a long time, but I think we're getting to a point now where we probably have to reimagine how we, you know, we, we take care of uh, water on our freeways moving forward. Yeah. So looking forward to 2022, um, you know, what what are you what are you looking at in terms of uh, you know big projects that you hope to to be out celebrating? Well, I think um, the all the projects that are going on in uh, I-94 corridor in Jackson is to me it, it's it's just I can't thank the the Jackson uh, region folks enough for all the hard work that's going on out there. I mean, you drive through there now, it's like night and day from five years ago, from three years ago, right? Yeah. Because all that work is going on in that corridor. Uh, I'm hoping by uh, you know the end of next year we can celebrate uh, uh, that such a huge, huge uh, accomplishment. And we have projects all over the state that that are like that. That's you know been in need of uh, repair for a long time and. You know, again, with the rebuilding Michigan money that the governor gave us, we were able to do big projects like that. And I hope we can, uh, as we put out more projects, celebrate the successes as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another section of 196 west of Grand Rapids is going to be wrapped up, and uh, 496 through downtown Lansing, and I stretches of I-69 almost all the way from yeah. The Indiana border to Flint are being exactly so, yeah. yeah. I sixty nine corridor around that part of Shalot area. Yes, you're absolutely right. Those that uh, if you remember three years ago, that you could barely drive that without losing the tires. So being able to finish a project like that next year, I think is something that we're worth celebrating. Yeah. Well, thanks, Director. I appreciate you uh, helping us to put a spotlight on our video, which I think is, uh, is is really good. We hear from a number of local officials and some business leaders across the state who are appreciative of the work, and uh, this, this helps highlight that. So thank you again for taking time to talk with us. Thank you, Jeff, and uh, thank you to you and your team for all you do. Thank yeah. you. All right. Thank you. Have a good holiday. All right. You too. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.